Bukayo Saka. Here with always Arsenal live from the Emirates, just about to kick off. Um, yeah, as you can hear, massive game, massive game. They're all big games now. 11 Cup finals. Tom, what are you thinking today? Prediction? 2-0 uh, in a tight one. Let's go. 3-1 Arsenal. Yeah, I'm going to go for 2-1. I think it'll be a tight game. But yeah. We'll talk to you at half-time. Half-time in the Emirates, 2-0 up quite easy so far really I mean we're a little bit worried before the game we're all worried now aren't we before the games kick off but to be honest that's been an absolutely convincing first half performance um, great to score the second goal at such a great time before hopefully we can get a third early on and cruise to victory Tom yeah I mean ultimately actually we expected a tougher game than that but ultimately I did expect a lot of the ball a lot of possession a lot of control of the match which we've had uh, one or two half breaks from, from Palace but ultimately a lot of control Oh, two really good work goals as well. Looking forward to seeing those back. Um, but deserved goals, deservedly ahead. Uh, we've looked fresher than I, I feared after Thursday evening. Um, and, and we've been at it, you know, ultimately. So it's looking like another home game will be ticked off. It's not done until it's done. So we need to come out and be very professional in that first 15, 20 minutes of the second half. Ideally get the third goal and kill the game. Uh, and if not, just keep incredibly tight at the back because there's, uh, there's going to be 10, 10 more finals to come. But um, the voice is going. It's another great day. Um, and it's another lovely, lovely 45 minutes from Arsenal. Another pleasure to be here. And uh, we can only look forward to more. Yeah, hopefully another 45 minutes as convincing as the first half. Ollie, two words in my head at the moment. Game management. Absolutely. I'm very impressed with the, the discipline we've shown in the first half. Uh, very controlled, pressured performance. Um, I think the Palace is going to try and come out. We'll try and get the third. And then hopefully we can try and ring the changes. But they're yeah, very happy with the way we've managed the game so far. And the discipline has been exceptional. Okay. Here's to another 45 like the first one. We'll speak to you after the game. Welcome back to always Arsenal here at the end of the game. Some 12, 24 hours later, we did manage to... Uh, we were too busy in the uh, Tollington, weren't we, Tom? Yeah, too, too, too busy toasting a comfortable afternoon. Yeah. Comfortable afternoon for the league leaders. Champions elect. Oh, champions elect. That's too soon, isn't it? But we'll, we'll uh, champions elect. Oh. Surely anyone, anyone top of the let's, league. Let's, is, let's, let's stop no, recording. No, no, no. Oh, champions <laughs> elect is anyone that's top of the league. You know, it doesn't mean they're going to win it, but they're elect. I mean, like, anyway. Yeah, no, no. Great, great afternoon. Great day. Obviously, we were all there. Nice to be with each other. Um, all sat together in the uh, in the clock end. Um, yeah, a, a really good afternoon. I think we sort of captured on our voice notes really before the game. There was obviously pre-match nerves, as there will be for all of these remaining eleven slash ten games now. Yeah. Um, but at half time, I think we were the heart rate had, had had dropped quite quite drastically. And we said that we said at half time, didn't we, that if we were to treat this second half with the professionalism and the maturity and the respect um, that it deserved and what it needed with the context. We would obviously go on to to be comfortable winners, um, but yeah, a really a really nice relaxing afternoon. Some great football on show. Um, Palace obviously got their goal from a set play and had a great chance, didn't they, to make it three two? Funnily enough, or amidst the sort of the wonderful easy afternoon, there was a sort of thirty second spell where there was slight jeopardy um, with that shot from Zaha going just past the post, but. Um, yeah, if we just we can just crack on straight into it, really, with the 
with the with the performances of the players. Um, Ramsdale, Tom didn't really have much to do. No, um, uh, he didn't have a quiet day. I mean, one thing I want to say is just obviously the, the twenty four hours prior with the Saliba news. Um, you know, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, um, like we knew Tommy and Saliba had gone off on Thursday, and we knew Tommy looked a bad one. But I think Saliba, there was a little bit of hope that it would be basically precautionary and he'd be fine for the weekend. Then we're hearing literally on the eve of the game, he's definitely out. And we've still got this quite ambiguous several weeks piece. And there was a lot of talk pre-game and the selection of holding and what it was going to be. And um, as a defensive unit, obviously starting with Ramsdale, I think by and large, we did well. Um, quiet, quiet day for Ramsdale. A couple of beautiful pings that we were sitting behind in that first half, long balls. Um, sorry, second half of long balls out to, I'm thinking on one in particular, Saka. Look, that's the one, if people are on Twitter, you've got to scroll for it. It's the Hollywood one, isn't it? Yeah, beautiful ball. Um, and yeah, pretty pretty solid, quiet day for him. Uh, couldn't really, you know, point it's point blank for the for the goal that we do concede from the from, from the corner, obviously. So I don't think he'd do much wrong. Um, solid performance, so scores him at 7 points. So 7.0, decent, decent day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Ramsdale is... Ramsdale's continuing to grow in maturity and importance on this side and he's having impact on games. This wasn't a game really for that, to be honest. And I think the last two league performances, he had a bit of an eventful night against Lisbon, but in the last two league games, really, he's not had much to do, has he, Tom, to be honest with you? No, he's not. And he's one of those, I think... Long may that continue, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. For some reason, he's, he's one of those, Ramsdale, that he's not protected. And when I say... Not protected, I don't mean on the pitch defensively, because I think we've been good defensively this year. I mean, he's not protected by fans. There's some players in our squad who could kind of do no wrong. And Ramsdale's definitely not one of them. The moment anything goes half wrong, they're like, oh, is he good enough? Is he good enough? Is he good enough? Maybe that's just the nature of a goalkeeper, but I think it's grossly unfair in Aaron Ramsdale since he's broken in and been number one on our side. People were saying we need a new goalkeeper after this game because he didn't score, he didn't save penalties. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a couple of those penalties he maybe could have saved, but... You don't pick your domestic goalkeeper based on penalty shootouts because you're in a penalty shootout maybe once every seven or eight years as a club side. Maybe not even that. So it's, it's laughable, really. I, know, I really like the guy. And yeah, solid day. Yeah, um, I mean, he's, he's an English goalkeeper, may I add, as well, which kind of which which just only heightens the uh, anxiety and expectation around that role, doesn't it? But um, yeah. he's having said that, Tom, what I would say is he's, along with the next fella that we're going to probably start to talk about who was arguably man of the match, really, in terms of performance. Um, but Ramsdale is, a, is very much a fan's favourite as well, I think, with a lot of fan base, if you know what yeah, that yeah. is. There is a divide. I think you're right to point that out. Um, ben White, I mean... I mean, this 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 guy, a little bit like Gabriel, seems to just be, um, you know, rewriting the form book each week with every, perform- with every performance. Um he played a lot. He played a lot on Thursday night, which I think I sort of forgot about at the time because he came on quite early in that game. Yeah, very early, obviously, you know. And, yeah. Um, yeah, no, look, it's just such. I love Ben White. I think you know, as as players go, and I said to him a few weeks ago on the pod about Tommy, and obviously, unfortunately, Tommy's been injured since. But the reason I always want Ben White to start over Tommy is because it's not about Tommy; it's more about Ben White. And just such a technical baller, so so good. Um, it's so efficient and just that, that right hand pod I don't know if you've been seeing the Saka comments in the um, 
in the last sort of 24 hours as well, just saying he loves playing on that with Ben White and and and, and Odegaard. And obviously it shows the three of them, um, the sort of the, the the interchange that they have, the understanding that they have, and a very polished and accomplished performance, Ben White. And let's be honest, a bloke that we're going to need to wrap in cotton wool because he's we've got 10 league games left and he's going to have to play, basically, unless we're cruising, he's going to have to play 90 minutes in all of them. Or near enough 90 minutes, like I said, unless we're cruising in a couple, which hopefully we will be. But yeah, um, yeah, a great performance from him. Um, yeah. What what about the man next to him? Well, I just wanted to just touch on um, a bit of piece on Ben White there. There is the the pass to Saka for Saka's goal in the first half, where I think that's been an absolute you know feature of our play all season that hasn't led to as many goals as it could have. Um, that little that little pass just down the channel by the byline that Ben White seems to just be able to pull off with so much accuracy when he hasn't got a lot of room to make the pass. Um, nice the interchange, yeah. yeah the, the three of them, it's just that there's so many, like, there's nice, nice little touches on that right-hand side. It's just always a pleasure. I do want to maybe dedicate a couple of minutes at the end, actually, just before we wrap up about the contingency plans around White and, and how we manage him in the running because there, the, we, we will need to think about options there and what we do. Um but yeah, you said you mentioned obviously Zinchenko at left back. I, I, I thought, particularly in the first half, I think this is one of the, the best defensive displays I've seen from, from Zinchenko. A lot of occasions where he was one-on-one with Elise and managed that, those situations really well in, a, in an area of the game where, let's face it, it's probably not his most secure role. Right? That's not what he wants to be doing on the back foot on a one-to-one with a winger because um, he, he likes to do all the other stuff, doesn't he? Like the number 10 stuff. But um so another another very accomplished performance. What, what I noticed, a fantastic pass don't... as well for the Jacker goal. You know, it's, it's uh, split, yeah, split, yeah. split in the midfield. Obviously, mm-hmm. then Trossard plays a lovely little one-two with Jacker. But that ball from from Zinchenko is almost becoming a bit trademark. That sort of rake, but straight ball, sort mm-hmm. of like through the middle. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, and it's um when you, I, I don't get to go as often as you do, but when you see when you see him live, um. It's just in awe, really, of the, the 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 level of technical quality. Oh, there's a video game doing doing the rounds. Just I don't know if you've saying. seen it of the yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that challenge that he's doing with that guy on YouTube. Um, and yeah, he, he's that, that, that third one is insane. disgusting. I mean, all three of them he just is on a mm. you know on a sixpence, but that last one is ridiculous mm. uh, with the backstrap trap and then the trap of the spin on the ball. Um, you know, I remember what two years ago when Kyle Walker did that video. And uh, not the unsavory videos that have been in the press recently for Carl Walker, mm. but the video with the interview saying that um, Sinchenko was probably the most technically gifted at Manchester City. And he raised a few eyebrows at the time. But I think when you see it in close quarters, and obviously Carl Walker would have seen it every day on the training pitch, and now we're seeing it every day live in front of us. The guy's an incredibly gifted technical footballer. It's just it's phenomenal to watch. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Rob Holding, who you mentioned earlier. Was, you know. was, was drafted in for Saliba. There was obviously a lot of Twitter anxiety, um, quite predictably, <laughs> around holding selection. I don't. I didn't really see what what else we could do. To be honest with you, holding had a really good game. We we know that we know the, the draw with holding. It's not as I wouldn't say it's as drastic. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's. It's going to sound harsh on Eddie, but it's a kind of another scenario here where we don't want holding to be in here for too long a run of games, although Eddie actually did really well considering. Um, whereas holding, I want it to be leads and then that's it. Yeah. Um, but he had a really that, big, that, he had a very good game. He did. He died. There's a couple of times when he dives in that one in particular, he drives in a bit rash, ball breaks and obviously they get a chance from it. But what well, I think, you know, again, he's what fourth choice center back, you know, maybe I think the reality is if Tommy Asu is fit, 
Ben White lines up as our right centre back yesterday. So, and, and obviously Tommy therefore right back. And so what you're looking at, and obviously Kibio is just fairly new, only had two or three games in an Arsenal shirt, and he's more he's left centre back anyway. So what you're looking at is basically our fourth choice centre back in Rob Holding. As centre backs, you're not expecting that player to play more than half a dozen games in the season as your fourth choice centre back. And yet he's come in and he's done a really good sort of job. If you look at his stats, he had a fantastic game. Uh, 91.4% passes, but more importantly, ground jewels. Five of them. How many did he win? Four. Aerial jewels, ten. How many did he win? Seven. Really solid, solid game. Do you know what I mean? For from uh, Rob Holding. Uh fight all, all of his long balls finding their man as well. Some really nice pings. I didn't know he had a ping in him like he did. Some really nice pings from Rob Holding. Um, and look, he, he came along and he did his job and he did it well. Like you said, he did it well against a team that offered very little. Let's be brutally honest. Probably less than we even expected. Um, and in hindsight, I think this was very much a game that Palace, the reason they got rid of Vieira when they did is they wrote this game off. They said, look, we'll lose to Arsenal. It is what it is. Um, let's have the break and then come back fresh. Um, but Rob Holding, he, he came and done a job. But let's yeah. we all we all hoping the same thing, and that's that Saliba is is back well after the international break. I mean, eighty seven touches is Saliba territory, isn't it? Um, but we, we, the thing is, we we know we know this with Holding. Holding, we've seen it before in cup finals. Holding can perform excellently at a high level over ninety minutes, ninety five minutes. We've seen it before. Yeah. It's just that for a run of games, there's obviously the worry there, and we are, we're scarred by Spurs away last season. You know, we don't forget that. That's still fresh in the memory, even though there's a lot that's changed since. And I, I just I just hope it's that... It's the pace as well that you're missing as well. Yeah. Saliba's pace is incredible. And, and the, you know, you don't necessarily... If you if you have a great day as a centre-back, you don't need pace. But the, the whole point is, if you make an error, you sometimes need pace to get you out of the trouble. And that's what Saliba has in his locker, is the pace. So, you know, there's been many phenomenal centre-backs down the years that weren't blessed with natural pace here. But the reality is you are therefore relying on your game being perfect. Saliba is such an athlete that occasionally, when we have that high press and you and I said against Bournemouth, we're pinning them in the last 20 minutes, Saliba and Gabriel are playing in sort of like eight positions. They're, they're literally second, you know, final third of the pitch on just on that borderline between the midfield and the attack, just releasing and continuing the attack. There is no way Rob Holding sitting there against teams because he just can't. So that's the difference. Um, Gabriel, another solid performance. Um, got a bit of a rest at the end, which is nice. We need to see that. I mean, these are other players that, you know, that spine, you can't afford to lose more. Um, another solid performance, though, from him. Uh, and I think probably compensating in some ways. I think he was sweeping up a bit more than he would normally. Uh, I think supporting, um, supporting um, holding, but doing a good job. Yeah, less touches than holding, which is um, a bit of a surprise there. You'd think like Gabriel would have taken on the sort of the mantle of being the more primarily in the build-up play. But um, no, no, another faultless display from Gabriel, who's who's just impressing week on week. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the day actually was his standing ovation. I thought it was a lovely little move that from Arteta. He didn't need to do that at the you know with the with the game as, as what it was, and um, a, a guy that never really comes off. I thought that was a nice touch. Um, yeah, no, not absolutely. much to say there really, apart from just he's a mountain mountain. Yeah, and like I said, we we, we you know, like I said to you, I said uh, at the game, it's a bit of a Sunes opinion, and so I apologise in advance for it. But the spine is critical for Arsenal Football Club. You know, it's been integral to this run, and we've missed Gabriel Jesus for so long, and he's obviously part of that. But the reality is, the Ramsdale sleep Gabriel together and Partey to get in front of them. If that stays solid until the rest of, until the end of the season, we're obviously going to have a very, very good chance. So let's get Saliba back fit and let's keep Gabriel fit. Hmm. Midfield three, 
Um, I won't say a quiet day for the skipper because he was still brilliant. And, like, you know, and like I said, like, he, it's a different kettle of fish watching him live, isn't it? Because the amount of effort he puts in, the control, the technical ability, the the the, the minutes, the yards he carries, it just like he, he does everything for us. But I think you made the point, if we go and score four goals and Martin Odegaard doesn't have a goal or assist, you'd be quite shocked at that statement before the game, the form he's been in. So potentially not the final product we've been seeing on other days, but still a very efficient performance from from Yeah, when you win when you win four one at home and your your you know your your main creator isn't involved in any of the goals directly, that's not so much of a big deal, is it really? No. Um, and uh yeah, I mean technically supreme reminds me of Zinchenko further up the pitch. Um yeah, yeah it's just a joy to watch and um yeah, when you again you, the little things that you don't necessarily notice as much on the TV screen, um, even though the cameras do zoom in sometimes, but you just see the yeah a a the the work ethic off the ball all the time pressing from the front. He's the leader when Jesus isn't there particularly. You notice that, and yeah. then secondly, just the whole the whole vibe around the stadium as well at the end of the game. And he's really really I, I'm not I'm not sure if we've seen. Oh, I don't know. Maybe this is a little bit. I don't want to come. I don't want to say anything too drastic here, but I don't know if we've seen a player that has such a rapport with the fans that isn't necessarily homegrown. Yeah, like Saka for for many a year. Like Odegaard, you mean? But yeah, mm, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yes. No, like you're you're absolutely right, and. And someone, you know, again, you can say it's not very important in the modern game, but as a as a as a as a fan who goes every week to see his club, it's important to me. I want someone who represents the club so well. More and, important. Yeah, yeah, and is yeah. you know is basically represents us and represents the fans, and is is basically a stand up gentleman, but also a leader in his way. And I think he is that. He is always the one that stays to the end as a whole lap of the pitch. No other players do that. He's the only one that does it for every single game, without doubt. Um, and yeah, uh, he, he, what you've seen in the flesh, like you said, is the pressing, it's the work rate, it's the geeing up the crowd, it's, it's being there, but not in a, not in a cliche geeing up the way the cloud, but just sort of like a come on and do it. And also the, the, the footwork, the feet, the feet are genius feet. Um, most touches in the game, though, was uh, the man next to him at the heart of the midfield. Of a supremely confident man, um, performance from Thomas Partey, finishing a right back, and I'm sure we might think about that in a minute. Um, you know, Thomas Partey, right back, we don't want him there, but it's an option. He played a lot of football there actually for Atletico, didn't he? Um, someone pointed out today, and I was like, yeah, it's true. Um, another very supremely confident performance from Thomas Partey. Yeah, and we we sort of joked in the stands, didn't we, that for about five minutes you thought actually, if we if White was to get injured. He kind of looks the part, doesn't he? Um, you won't want to you won't want to lose him in that lone six role completely. Knocks. We're a completely different side with, with um, you know without him in that position. But I do think a lot of these games left as well. The ten cup finals we've got. It's all about game state, isn't it? When, when you've got a, when you've got a 20, 25 game stretch left, it's it's a different kettle of fish. You just change the way you think things through and tactics and method and yeah. stuff like that. Now it's all about game state. People like Tierney needing to have minutes and have important minutes. You know, putting it was people very out. Good, by the way, I want to talk about Katie at some point. Yeah, as well. I was gonna, we'll talk about the subs yeah. at the end. And and yeah, I mean, what ninety four touches of the ball, eighty seven percent pass completion in in the position that he plays. It's just outrageous that he's doing it week in week out. Really, we're taking it for granted. Um, and if we're while we're talking about Partey, um, I think it's like, like White, 
you know, you could rule them all off, couldn't you, in a way? But this this international break, unlike White, who's going to be getting a rest, Partey really isn't. <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll talk about that later on briefly. Um, a, a contender for man of the match for me at Granite Xhaka. Um, I think Saka, Saka on our Twitter poll actually rightly, rightly, uh, won the vote. You're not going to score two goals and get an assist and not get it. Yeah. But, you know, Xhaka was brilliant. He was excellent. Um, you know, and again, another man who, a bit like Saka, actually, Saka and Xhaka, again, we were saying in the stadium yesterday, they're like, we rely on them so heavily from a, obviously from a performance level perspective, but also just a resilience perspective. There are two players there that, let's be honest, don't get injured for their club. They could play 19 minutes whenever they play. And I know Saka came on um, during midweek versus starting, but Xhaka played the whole 120 minutes. Saka basically plays every single game of football for the club. And those two, A, were standout performances um, yesterday, but also, again, the resilience, the fitness, they're going to be linchpins. I don't want to touch wood, you know. Sorry, I don't want to break, um, you know, false habits. Oh, I will touch wood. But, um, yeah, those two need to stay fit. Xhaka getting another goal as well. Two goals in two as well, which is nice to see from Xhaka because... The goals that were the create the, the 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 final third influence that we'd seen pre Christmas had kind of dried up for a while after the World Cup, and um, I, I still don't necessarily think long term a because of an age profile, but b he is that sort of attacking eight that would perfect this side. But whilst he's there, what a player for us, you know, so important. Yeah, and and, and maybe this 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 wasn't really looked into at the time, but I do wonder maybe if. What was happening with Xhaka is that the beginning of the season, pre-World Cup, teams weren't really paying him the respect in an attacking regard. They were sort of leaving him. Yeah. And he was just popping up left, right and centre in the box, arriving late. And then maybe, you know, we'd, we'd, this would have to have some sort of analysis done on it. But maybe for a period after the World Cup, teams started to sort of cotton on to it and think, actually, how do we stop this kind of like this inroad that he's making? Because um, it's kind of returned again. You know, like and on Saturday he was arriving in the box. I mean, the again that how we always talk about how robust Jacker is. But you got six six out of eight ground rules one, two out of two in the air one. Like yeah. and there was that moment in the game where I had my head in my hands, didn't I? Because you and Oles were sort of laughing at me because I do tend to panic at the at any given opportunity. And when he went down mm. after quite an awkward, it like an awkward, really awkward fall, and you know. Typical granite. I mean, his parents named him rightly, didn't they? And he um he just comes straight back on, shrugs it off, and plays another ninety minutes. Yeah, no, completely. It was it was one of those ones that because it wasn't really un, under challenge, it was more of a stretch for the ball himself. And then he went down after that stretch. That's you know, there's no real reason to go down unless you are genuinely hurt. But no, he was obviously just brushes it off, goes again. Um, someone who else who went again, hundred twenty minutes midweek, and then. Uh, played the majority of this game, obviously started anyway. And I wasn't expecting, I actually wasn't expecting Martinelli to start. Um, I was expecting um, Jesus to start, Jocelyn on the left, Martinelli, you know, maybe to take 45 minutes, but not start given he had 120 minutes. But back with another goal, great goal, lovely first goal. Um, obviously, Saka crossing the ball, lovely first touch from Gabinieri, um, Martinelli out of his feet, flashing it across the goalkeeper. Uh, lovely first goal for, for Martinelli. And he, you know, it's like we say in the in the, in the uh, stadium as well. He's exciting, isn't he? He's our most exciting forward player because he's probably not as well. He's not as efficient as the rest of them. He's not as efficient as Saka. He's not as efficient as an Odegaard or it's probably as efficient as Jesus because he misses chances. But he, he, when he runs at players, he gets you on the edge of his seat more, don't you? You know, you want to stand up, you want to watch him, and, and a, a good game and back amongst the goals in the obviously in the last three or four weeks. 
yeah, very much so. He's these bums off seats, isn't he? Um, and we we did we did con- did the contrast with Saka during the game where when you're there, you can sort of there's a real difference in reaction to when they both get the ball. Saka, there's just this reliable consistency in his output. Um, whereas with Martinez, you don't know. Again, I keep I keep referring him to Alexis Sanchez for me, and and I really do think it's um. A, 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 an accurate one. He's, he's bums off seats. His excitement, a fantastic finish, thrashed him with his left foot. Fun, interestingly, his only shot of the game. Um, and we're not saying the numbers will get there. Surprise. I hope they do to the prime Liverpool side that we've seen after the three or four years. But if you're comparing them, you know, Saka's very much a Salah and Martinelli's very much a Mane, isn't he? Where, you know, Mane was similar in terms of sometimes the ball would bounce off his shin and actually you'd look at him and you think, uh, and I'm not saying Martin not good technically because he obviously is, but maybe not that ball glued to your feet good like some of the players on our team are. Mm. And it's very similar with Martinelli. He sometimes can look a bit Marnay-like and he can bounce off him a bit. He can look a little bit running like he's running down a blind alley. But equally, he can suddenly put his head down, run past three or four people and just smash into the top corner or, mm. or across the goal like he did. And uh, Saka doesn't really have that, not yet. But mm. Salah doesn't, you know, Salah has that in jinky way, but not like a bumbling through way just mm. so much more efficient and then yeah um yeah. you know I, I want i want martinelli though what i really want him to do i want him to retain that in the next two or three years to retain that a little bit that rawness because you, I, I just want our players to embrace what they're naturally good at and mm. you know like we've always said we want Saka to have a bit more dog in him a bit more bite and a bit more fight i think if martinelli tries to round off his game too much and become a sacker you'll probably take away his best asset which is that bums off seat run at players frighten him Mm. Yeah, I think what I w- what I'd like to see with Martinelli as he gr- as he develops and matures is that he finds that balance, um, you know, between being that kind of off the cuff, explosive uh, forward. Um, yeah. And 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 I think there will be a I think there will be a positional evolution for Martinelli, won't there? Which we'll probably have to see. Yeah, how that he develops is more of time. a wide forward than, um, than striker. Sorry, yeah, than a winger like. Something. There's definitely, I think, there's definitely uh, an argument for him to be. A number nine in four or five years time but um that's 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 going to be an evolution thing part of his development isn't it trossard i said i said to you um i think at half time with or after the game with trossard that it's um he's just a very very good footballer <laughs> very good footballer there's no there's no real like frills it's just quite humble it's he, very mature he is, very smart he's perfect for what we what we needed and what we need um, I was a bit reluctant with the signing, but in, in hindsight, we essentially have three players who don't get in and inverted commas our first 11, yet who you're happy to see in the team. I, you don't mind seeing in a team. I, I, you don't really feel the drop-off in quality is huge. And he's the only one from attacking nature. And the other two would obviously be, probably be Tomiyasu and just maybe a slightly lesser extent, but Tierney as well. Uh, you, 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 all three of those, you, you know, you're not lining up. They're, they're, none of them are lining up and you're thinking, oh, we're, we're dropped off today. You know, Trossard, and, and that's such a testament to Trossard when you think the other two I've just mentioned have been in the club for two or three years. Trossard's come in from January and he slotted in like he's been there years. Technically, again, so good. Low centre of gravity, strong on the ball. Um, quite like a sacker in that respect. Strong, low centre of gravity. Um, Fred, some really nice passes. Another assist for him with Xhaka today, or yesterday. Um, and just a really good, strong, polished performance again, you know, and someone who, again, looks pretty resilient, which will be key in the run-in. Obviously, he had his knock a couple of weeks ago, but was back from that quicker than I think some of us feared. So that bodes well for his fitness. Yeah, I thought um, it, 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 it was 
I'm going to compare his performance and impact on the game a little bit like Odegaard's, really. I thought they were both fairly quiet by their standards um, against Palace, really, um, which kind of leads us on to the sort of the Saka show. Uh, man of the match, two goals and assist. Um, I really like the second goal. He's, he's finishing his maturing, um, yep. which, which it had to. And that, that it had to, but that's to be expected. Of course, he's going to mature at the age he's at, you know. Um, and I just love the movement, the variety of the run choices that he's making. Like, like the, I, that white pass earlier, I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a great little pass from white. But the way Saka takes it and the run inside to lose Zaha. And, and the way just, he, keeps, he curves you know, his run to he's staying yeah. inside all the time. There's different types of runs he makes. So you watch him live and it's just, he's always, always causing the defenders to, like Tyrant Mitchell was did a fairly decent job, but but again, two goals and assist, you know. And it's, yeah, and it's, it's so weird watching Saka because I, I don't, you know, <laughs> it won't be any secret to you, but I hope it's not a secret to any listeners listening. I am like the biggest Saka fan. You know I am. Like, I like, I literally love the guy, like, you know, um, just to sickening levels sometimes in, in the group chat. But I still watch Saka sometimes, and I, I don't get that excited. Like, he doesn't, like, thrill me with, like, pace or whatever. Like, Because, again, he just, you know, what he does is just he does everything so well, rather than one or two facets brilliantly and some other facets poorly. He's, like, eight, nine out of ten in everything. And it's just, or he almost, his, his level of brilliance almost you know, gets a little bit dull at times because he's making the right choices. He's always a threat. And again, in a game where you're not sitting there saying he was pinging shots all game and he had them on toast and all that kind of stuff. Like you said, Tyrant Mitchell looked, did a quite a sort of job and yet he gets to the end of the game and he scored twice and he's got an assist. Um, first Arsenal player to get 10 plus goals and assists in the Premier League since Alexis Sanchez. Um, and only the eighth Arsenal player to ever do it in the Premier League. Uh, and you've got to think, last year, I think he total he got 18 goals and assists in the Premier League. He's already at 22 with 10 games left. Now, you've got to think he's setting his sights on 30-plus goals and assists for the league campaign. And if he does that, you're really talking about a fantastic season. I think I think young person, young player of the year is, is a solid, you know, PFA young player of the year is is locked, I think, for Bukai Saka. I, don't, I can't believe anyone's going to get a look-in for that. Um, it's probably going to be Haaland for the main award, obviously, and then um, Saka for the Young Player of the Year. But, look, brilliant player and an, another one. Not yet signed the contract, has he? Um, I, th- I want it to get signed because the reality is every week that goes by, Arsenal probably having to add a few K. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I, I just wanted to mention with Saka that you know, the performance speaks for itself, but if you've seen any of his interviews post game and just the way he answers questions now and he's just got such a wonderful character about him and and that that's obviously coming with age of course because he's still so young but some of the answers and some of the kind of the just the real sort of authenticity to his responses that he's having a bit of a joke with the pundit who he's with or this is just the guy who is just um taking the country really by storm isn't he not just arsenal um and yeah long may continue and he's out so. Yeah, and I don't think anyone dislikes him, do they? You're like you're quite right. You know, they like him because of that authenticity. And um, but ultimately, it's Smith Rowe's song, and uh, uh, and you know, Emma <laughs> uh, Smith. Let's talk about the subs actually. Smith Rowe comes on. Obviously, I did say it's funny. I look, we all love the Smith. You know, he's an Arsenal boy. We'd love to see him make it at Arsenal. But it is about time Bakai Saka got his own song that's properly properly appreciated by the whole stadium because I felt a bit sorry for him. Like he scored two goals and then an assist. And the only time Saka's name got properly sung in the stadium was when Smith Rowe came on because of the song. It's just it's just it's laughable, really, isn't it? Because you know, 
you're talking mm. about a guy almost carrying us for the last three years versus a guy who's been in and outside of injuries who's got bags of talent but just potentially not making it so yeah um, but look Smith Rowe more minutes for him everyone's going to have to play their part uh, more minutes for him which was nice to see um, obviously holding playing his part today again did want to talk to you about Tierney um, good little cameo and a player that obviously is touted to me leave in the summer but a player I'd really like to see stay because not only is he really solid defensively, solid, good, very good second choice left back, but he does offer something different, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, what I noticed with Tierney in this cameo, a very impressive 25 minutes. This, this wasn't this wasn't the Jorginho, Smith, Rowe and Kiwi or who got a handful at the end. This was a good chunk of the game. Um, vital minutes for Senchenko to sit down as well after his exertions against Lisbon. But I thought Tini, when he came on, just looked like he was about to explode with energy, mm. um, pace, power, really direct, um, dangerous running going forward. Good selection of pass for Saka's goal, by the way, because I don't how many times we see Tini just whip it across the face of the goal. Um, it was a really clever cutback. And I, I just and defensively as well did a really sound job. I think there was a moment where he got back. Um, well, well, at the end where they, were, they had a little bit of a break on, but I, I yeah, I just thought because sometimes when T, for me when Tini comes on, he does look like we've we've sort of gone past him in terms of the, the level, but this looked like you know what you're going to be useful, mate, yeah. <laughs> um, in the coming games because he just looked like he was really amped up. Actually, that's what I noticed with Tini. Yeah, no, absolutely, and like you said, it, he offers pace and direct pace. I'm not sure many of our wide options both in attacking and defensively offer so I think that will scare a lot of legs late late in the season against tired legs who are potentially starting to look towards the beach you know it could be a really real handful um, if we're struggling to break teams down whips in balls likes of the pullback though a bit more measured um, yeah I'd look I'd, I'd like to think there's a place for Tierney um, next year's squad I do understand that if he wants to go and become a first choice somewhere, that's obviously his prerogative, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't blame him. But we're we're seeing this year, obviously, as injuries mount, that your the ability to have strong, strong, strong second choices is such a fine line. Because look, if you get another worldy left back, well, they're going to want to start. Do you know what I mean? They, you know, they're not going to sit on the bench. Equally, if you drop a bit of a level below KT, and then suddenly we we have a few players in the squad, but actually, you don't feel confident playing them. You know, you don't want to play them. So, like I said, we actually probably only have three in the squad in, in Trossard, Tommy Asu, KT, where they're genuine rotations versus huge, huge drop-off in quality. Are they in your first 11 if everyone's fit? Probably not. But I'd like to think there's a place for him if he wants to stay. Um, looking at those options then, you mentioned earlier in the pod, we did say, look, party finished the game at right back um, after um, Ben White gets his little rest for the last sort of eight, nine minutes. Obviously, like I said, technically he's very proficient there. What what are our options if 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 Ben White was playing? Would would that do you think that's where we'd go? Do you think do you think we'd go three at the back, or do you think we'd find an a party there at the back? I'm not sure. I don't I don't think there'll be an option that nine out of ten people will agree with, just because of the nature of the situation. Really, um, really. By the way, just gutted for Tommy Asu, to be honest with you. Um, I know he's not everyone's cup of tea and that he's not a Ben White but he as you mentioned a minute ago with only the two or three players that we really like to have as backups he can play anywhere across that back four and he would have had a really important role to play which is a shame and gutted for him to be honest he's had a really really hard year 
um, injured at the World Cup, um, missing chunks of games and potentially missing, you know, a historical end to our season. So on a personal level, I'm just guided for Tomiyasu, really. Um, options, the options I can think off the top of my head are Partey at right back, which I just I just don't think that he will do that really because if, if it's particularly if you're starting a game, I don't think Partey is going to be starting a game at right back. Reese Nelson is another one I'd like to throw into the mix who could do a job in 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 kinder fixtures. Yeah, and I think you might see three. You know, you look at a yeah. three because that, and that's it. I think I, I think I'd be looking at three personally, which is you do you do want to change the system that much? But like I said to you pre-game. Let's be honest, when Zinchenko lines up as in, in our back four, you're essentially playing with a three anyway because he's very rarely as, as a defender. So you could, you could comfortably go Tierney as like a left centre-back, Gabriel, and then Saliba, obviously, hopefully he's fit. And then you've got the pace of Tierney and Saliba to mop on either side of Gabriel. I think that could work. And then, like you said, then you've got options to, um, you know, as your, as your wide wingers, as particularly games at home, particularly some of the kind of fixtures left. I think that could comfortably work. Um, but we, yeah, we, we obviously hope it doesn't come to that. The, look, we've got a fit 11, and if Sleeper Touchwood is okay, we've got an 11 there, which is basically still our, our first choice 11. The problem is we're just getting really tight, uh, threadbare in places, which is why, although it's never nice to lose football matches, losing against Lisbon was for the long term, for this season and this season only, a good thing, because the reality is we've now got 10 games of football in that 10 games of football, law of averages says two or three of those games, we should win fairly well, you know, because it's just that we will. And in which case we can bring a couple of heads off like Partey and Ben White. You know, we're going to have probably seven or eight games where we need full blood and thunder for 90 minutes. And you just hope they can all stay fit. And, and we are we are still, it's, it's obviously been disrupted with the international break, but we're yet to obviously see the best of the return of Gabriel Jesus, you know, got a few more minutes yeah. against against Palace on Saturday. Strange minutes, really. For me, crucial minutes in the bank in his legs. However, it's very hard to come on as a very eager striker who's itching to score when you're already cruising in a game where everyone else is kind of winding down for the last 20 minutes. Yeah. So I think he would have, he probably would have rather have everyone else have been chasing, chasing a goal. So he would have maybe have been a bit more impactful, but great. I mean, it's, we, 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 that's, that's gone under the radar, his return, because he's going to be, he's going to be essential in the running. And um, yeah, I just two weeks off now. And it's a case of making sure that we, we pray and get everyone back in a good condition. Um, we, um, I think you dropped into the Arsenal chat last night. The uh, the Ghana fixtures, which kind of um, there's that there's that diff, isn't there? Of you know when someone's just kind of like, yeah falling like, down, falling yeah, down no, from gonna, the news. It's, it's going to be brutal. Partey is the one really because actually we're, we're we're quite fortunate in the fact that a few of us White won't be going, which is fantastic timing for Arsenal. He's going to get a nice two weeks off. Um, so he was obviously pulled out and Touchwood. If he's back, that means he's going to get time to recover, and that's great. Um, you know, Gabby Jesus is not going. I don't believe Martinelli's going. I don't believe Gabriel will be going. So you've got a lot of the nucleus of the team. As ever, it's the ones that we always rely on because they play every minute. It's Xhaka, Saka and Partey. So like, you know, ultimately, Xhaka uh, and Saka will probably obviously play their 90 minutes for their countries like they do midweek. But you've got to hope that their fitness holds because it normally does. And then, yeah, we're just waiting on the, the, re- the safe return, hopefully, of Thomas Partey. So. Yeah, yeah, I said to you earlier that I think that's the, the latest... That our boys are playing at Odegaard, Xhaka and Trossard. They're playing on the 28th of March on the Tuesday and we don't play Leeds till the Saturday. So, you know, it's um, 
Partey's last game is on the Monday, the 27th. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed they've got a bit of time. It's not like anyone's playing on the, on the Wednesday, you know? No, um, no. And no. still Tuesday back. Yeah. These hours are going to matter, aren't they? So They are going to matter. They are three o'clock kickoff on that game. It, it is the, the, the Liverpool game, Liverpool City. City Liverpool is the midday, isn't it? 12.30, yeah. Midday. It'll be interesting to do a similar thing on, on City's players and how many of yeah. them are playing late because... Look, we, 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 you know, look, we don't want to um, get too hypothetical now, but we've been thinking, I, I personally would like to ask you what you think sort of points tally gets it done. We've got 10 games left. Um, you don't like to look anything ahead other than the next game, but as a, as a rather than looking at, well, I'm not in the business really of saying, oh, we'll be that team, be that team, draw against that one, lose against that one, because that's just football. You know, you don't know where the loss or the draws will come or the wins will come, but just as a sort of a rough feel. And I'm looking at the R10 games and I'm thinking we need to win minimum seven of them. And I don't, like I said, I don't know where those seven wins will come from, but we need to win minimum seven of them. And I don't think we can lose at Man City if we're only winning seven. If we lose at Man City, I think we need to be winning eight of them. Um, because just because of the points, because you know that's a game that, that Man City are obviously dropping in. So, look, we've got an eight-point gap. It looks lovely to look at the table, um, but City is starting to click into gear. They always do. They find this form. I'm looking at ten, then to, those ten league games. Do you take this? Is the question? Then put you on the spot. Ten league games. Do you take seven wins, a draw at City, and two losses? That would take us to what ninety-one points. I think personally that will be enough, but it will be very, very tight because that would mean if City drew to draw to us with that draw, they would have to drop points in one other game and then they can win the rest if we'd still finish above them. But it's tight, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, you know me. I mean, I don't like to, I don't like to do these sorts of things of like what's going to be needed or how many points we're going to win it by or what they're going to. I just think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you need if you need an answer, it is going to be around about that, isn't it? Like, it's going to be around the 1991 mark, I think. Yeah. Um, no, I what, agree. What, I, what I'd like to mention, just as we're scrolling through the, the league table here, is you only have to look at the gap between Palace, who are in 12th, and Southampton in 20th, where there's so many teams that are going to be fighting for their lives with three or four games left of this Premier League season. You've got teams that are chasing Europe, like Brighton, Brentford and Fulham. Chelsea will be trying to make inroads on that. Liverpool. I can't think of any team apart from Villa who won't be chasing something. Well, and, 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 and Chelsea, Fulham probably, because the reality is, uh, you know, Europe's gone for them. Fulham, Fulham won't get back in the fight. Jimmy, I know they're not far off it, but then there's too many, you know, only take, only take one more league loss or something like that and suddenly they'll look quite adrift. But you're right, there's only about three teams in the middle of the, of the league, probably ninth to 11th, literally it, that aren't fighting for something um, right now. Um, it's, it's, it's funny, City's last game is against Brentford and Way, and we said, you know, we all agreed that that's a horrible fixture right now. Unfortunately, their fate in terms of Europe will probably be sealed by the last day. So they probably won't, you know, I think, you know, I think they'll come up short, Brentford is what I mean. And then, you know, the, 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 but the only hope that the only hope for us is that Brighton's similar. In terms of, we've got Brighton second last game, and if Liverpool or Newcastle or whatever go on a run, it kind of takes Brighton out of the reckoning. But we'll see. 
Mm. Uh, I, I, I agree. I don't like to get into the, the actual stipulations of the exact game results, but I, don't, we, I do think you're right. It's going to be in and around that 90 points, 91 Yeah, points. yeah. What, what we both agree on is that, you know, we'd rather be we'd rather be where we are than where City are, you know, so... Yeah, for sure. You points banked or points banked. And, you know, they could easily turn Liverpool over. But looking at that league table you just had up a minute ago, Liverpool, what, what Liverpool points? Let's be brutally honest about this right now. They're on, they're on four. They're on forty-two, and they are. They are. They've got two games in hand on Spurs, and they're seven behind them. Liverpool Football Club need Champions League football. They want Champions League football. Club will badly want Champions League football. Liverpool Football Club play both Manchester City and Arsenal in the next three, four league games. That's going to have a huge say on the title race. Um, that's going to be a monumental game. City, City, Liverpool, first game back out of the What well, I'm actually quite glad that game's not this weekend because I feel like City are hitting form. And actually, first game back midday kickoff after the international break, I think gives us the best chance for for Liverpool to spring a surprise a little bit versus versus City up and running like this weekend. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah, and Liverpool, by and large, Liverpool have City's number. Um, I just, I just think that. The way the way that the uh, I mean I know form book can go out the window in these huge games, but City at home, I mean against Liverpool, who their away record this season is very they're they're wide open away from home Liverpool, um, and I just yeah, but we we can't rely on we, we're going to need them to probably I think we'll probably need City to drop points in games where we don't expect them to, but we've got to just make sure that we but get for me the, three the big points thing is we can't. Leave. We can't lose at City. That's why I, I know we people. A lot of people are doing their predictions and having us lose at City. And for me, look, of course that can happen. Man City are a great side and they're they're at home. But I think if you're looking to win the league title, you, I don't think you want to be losing. I'd like to know when the last time that happened, when you lost to your to to main rivals both games and still won the title. You know, it would be tough. Um, so they've got I, I, they've know. got mid they've got a midweek game now. Pretty much, you know. Not, not 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 the first midweek back to be fair they've got they've got they've, they're at home to Liverpool then they're away at Southampton then they then they have the first leg against Bayern then they're at home to Leicester then they've got the second leg against Bayern then they've got the semi-final against Sheffield United then they're then they're then, us. then, they're, then they've got us, us midweek midweek then they're away at Fulham so, so the midweek games just come thick and fast for City, and, and well, people, also they, people, they have West Ham and Brighton games that they've got to reschedule now. Yes, Where are those people, yeah. Games? So the the Sheffield United semi final is um, people were sort of set a bit 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 annoyed that that got moved because of the Brighton game, but it's a semi final FA Cup. Like they're going they're going to be they're going to be playing that strong side, and heaven, who knows Sheffield United might put in a few tackles, um, and uh, help us out a little bit with an injury maybe. Um, so. You know, but um, it's all about Saturday, the first of April, um, making sure they all come back fit, really. So, we've got yeah, make it. sure they get fit. I'll be do. I'll be. I'll be at the Leeds game, albeit very fleetingly and uh, under watchful um, sort of dissenting eyes from uh, from my uh, other half's family. Uh, I don't know how the listeners would feel. I'm skipping a, a wedding to to skip down the road to watch Arsenal. Um, but it's a huge game, and it'll be an interesting game because it'll be what kicking off half an hour after Man City Liverpool's finished. So mm. there, there could be a very, very big buzz in the crowd. Put it that way. Mm. If Liverpool got anything, yeah. the atmosphere. If Liverpool got anything in that game against City, 
yeah. Good oh yeah, I mean we're, we're going to be re- we'll, we'd react to a city drop points like a, like an Arsenal goal, wouldn't we, in the remaining few weeks of the season? So yeah, um, and look, we, like I said to you in the pub, but if Man City go and win eleven games in a row now and beat us by one point. Of course, it will be gutting, but I genuinely will sit here and say, "Fair enough." Like you know, it is what it is. Like you know, you can't, you can't, you can't look. You know, it is what it is. They've been too good. What we, what I don't want to do is capitulate or throw a few easy points away. Where and then see if City go and win the league now on eighty-seven points or eighty-six points, I'll be absolutely devastated. Because really, from where we are, we should go and get 88, 89 points, ninety points. Really, put it. Ask the question. Asked the question, and yes, City can go on this run where they win 14 games in a row. We've seen it before, but you know what? If we ask the question that they have to, it's very different. You know, only one team can be out of the title race in, in three games' time. Arsenal can't be out of it in three games' time. Man City could be. If they lost the next three games, they'd be out of the title race. You know, if we lost the next three games, we'd be four points behind, still, still got City to play, so we'd still be in it. So the, the whole time you're piling on pressure. And we've just got to hope that they have a game, have a game where they throw it away or, or have a or have a penalty or a red card not go their way. And suddenly then we're banging there. Mm. And all, all of these games just seem so huge, yet they're going to be feeling bigger and bigger and bigger, aren't they, as the, as the days tick tick by, really. Um, that's uh, two, two weeks um, and we'll be back, obviously, for the Leeds chat. Um, we've got a couple of weeks to sort of mull over things, refresh the timelines, check the injury news of the international players and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's a good place to be in. And I think we'd have signed for this at the start of the season, wouldn't we? So um, yeah, <laughs> not, off. Um, not off. Um Just before we finish, we've got obviously guest Laguna, always Arsenal. So listeners tuning in, see if you can beat Tom. We've got a guest Laguna. I'm going to list the clubs of a former Gooners um, career. And you need to guess the answer as quick as you can. Not many today, Tom. Oh. Arsenal. Middlesbrough. Hull. Not Parlour. Yeah. Oh, really? Did he go Hull? Romford Ray. Romford Ray. He went Hull. I wasn't yeah. sure if he went Hull. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was the... Uh, yeah, I remember his little time at, at Borough because when I when we beat them, when we beat them five three at Highbury in that magical game with yes. Reyes, and he did the little the Burkamp did the little cheeky nutmeg on Ray Parlour to set up to set up Reyes. Um, yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. highlight of the highlights, Tom's got to be it's got to be only Ray Parlour, isn't it? Oh, look, FA Cup final winner. I think it's a hat trick against Newcastle. Um, I remember well. Yeah, Werder Bremen, I remember right yeah, as well. Brace, Brace events, Werder Bremen. Yeah. Yeah, big goals. He scored some cracking goals. He was a phenomenal fit midfielder, Ray Parlour. Invincible, um, yeah. Fantastic centre mid. I remember the game at Old Trafford when we won the league in 2002 as well. Monster that day. Uh, I think he got man of the match. Um, so, yeah, a, a very underrated midfielder. Incredible engine. Do you know what I mean? Just an incredible engine. But, yeah, you can't not pick that goal against I, Chelsea in 2002 in the cup final. I was going to say that um, incredible engine and uh, in midfield, it kind of reminds me of a of a of a midfielder that we've got at the moment, who's quite robust and has got a great engine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who, uh... One thing Parler had over over Shaq was a pace. Well, he's pacey. You know. Yeah, not. Yeah. He obviously obviously he played on the wing a bit as well. Yeah, exactly. Quite versatile, Ray was. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he actually played. When you look at the stats back, he played a lot of games that season in the Invincible year. You know. 
Oh, he would then. He was, you know, like we're talking about our first reserves in, in people like Trossard and Tommy. Like in that invincible year, we had a very settled 11. Everyone knows the invincible 11. I don't need to go through it. But you had players like Edu and Ray Parler. Will Tord. Will Tord. And that was kind of it. Don't get me wrong, other players played. You know, lots of players got a medal that year. But those players that actually were, were genuine rotations versus. Versus, you know, if you saw him in the 11th, yeah, fair enough, you know. Keown. Yeah, but again, Keown, you know, was coming on for those last-minute cameos. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a rotation option. We needed Tol Campbell and, and Torre there. So, like, yeah, just, um, yeah, Ray Parler was a, a proper player for Arsenal Football Club. And like you said, he actually moves on that very next year. And yet he played a lot of games. Yeah. Romford, Ray. How many games? I'm just looking at how many games he played that season for us. 25 league games. Yeah. 25 league games and he, and, he, and he was sold. That's quite harsh if you think read about it, really. You know, it wasn't like he was on his way out. You know, like someone Keon coming on for two-minute cameos, you know he's going to go. He's yeah, I think, a lot of, I think a lot of players of a certain age at that time with Wenger were kind of vulnerable, weren't they, really? They were probably, unfortunately, probably slightly unfairly so, but yeah. Mm. But um, yeah, good old Ray. Right, who's actually a delight to follow, by the way, listeners. Um, following, I've met him a few times at Arsenal um, in club level, just to say hello, top, top man. Likes the cobra and the curry, as do we. Um, but yeah, thanks, listeners, uh, for tuning in. Um, I did mention earlier about the, the 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 Twitter poll that we were running for man of the match. If you fancy following us on Twitter, we're at, we are at always ask pod. Just had to remember that for a second because I had to change the, the handle. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Cheers, Tom. Cheers, mate. And uh, we'll be back after the international break, guys. Enjoy the rest. Eight points clear. Always Arsenal. Saka. Yeah!